0: You need to know what it is that makes you unique and different and why someone should do business with you. I mean, going out and saying, you know, I do tax work or I'm an auditor, that's not a differentiator. That's not making you unique in the marketplace. And I love the phrase, if you're not unique, you better be cheap.
1: Welcome to Improv is No Joke Podcast, where it is all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. Your host is Peter Margaritas, the man whose name is pronounced like a cocktail but spelled like an inflammation. Peter is the self proclaimed chief edutainment officer of his business, the Accidental Accountant. Peter's goal is to provide you with thought provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Happy holidays, and welcome to episode 82. Today, my guest is Tim Sinclair, who is the industry consulting director at the accounting firm of Webster Rogers, located in Charleston, South Carolina. He has worked with more than 350 companies across the United States in a variety of industries, including automotive, aerospace, metalworking, just to name a few. Tim's credentials include the following. Certified Economic Development Finance Professional through the National Development Council. Accredited by the Institute of Business Appraisers in Business Valuation and Appraisal. Certified 360VU Professional Business Advisor and Certified Eureka, Winning Ways Growth Coach. In this episode, we discuss the skills needed in developing business and how he works with the team at Webster-Rogers to sharpen their skills in business development. Our discussion does examine the role that improvisation plays in the business development process. Tim is well-versed in improvisation because his sister studied improv in Chicago at Second City. And yes, I am very jealous. For those CPAs listening, you may have less than a week in order to meet your CPE requirements for the year. A quick way to pick up some needed credits would be to listen to the first five episodes of this podcast, which are qualified for CPE self study credit under the NASBA category of personal development. Those interviews are with Clark Price, who is the retired CEO of the Ohio Society of CPAs, Mike Scorantino, who is the author of Gratitude Marketing, Tom Hood, who is the CEO of the Maryland Association of CPAs, Ed Mendelowitz, who's a partner in the accounting firm of Witham, Smith & Brown, and Carl Ulrichs, who's a human resource professional at the insurance company of Gregory & Appel. These episodes are located on the Business Learning Institute website, and they are mobile-friendly. First, go to the website and create an account from your desktop or laptop computer and purchase an episode. Now, you can listen to an episode on your mobile device at any time. For example, on your daily commute or while you're working out, or even while you sit at your desk. And when you're finished, take the review and final exam on your mobile device or even on your computer. It's that easy. While all selected Improv and No Joke podcasts are available on my website, only those purchased through the Business Learning Institute website are eligible for CPE self-study credit. You can get the detailed instructions on how to create your account and purchase an episode by visiting my website at petermargaritas.com and clicking on the graphic, Listen, Learn, and Earn, Improv is No Joke podcast on the homepage. I hope you enjoy this exciting and new flexible way of receiving CPE credit. I'm currently in the process of writing my next book with the working title of Financial Storytelling, and I'm previewing content on my social media. If you'd like to preview this content, Connect with me on Facebook by searching The Accidental Accountant. On Twitter and Instagram, search P. Margaritas. And on LinkedIn, just search my name, Peter Margaritas. Now, there are two Peter Margaritas's in the greater Columbus area, but only one who's a CPA. For the holidays, you can purchase a personalized signed copy of my book, Improv is No Joke, using improvisation to create positive results in leadership and life for $14.99, and the shipping is free by going to my website and clicking on the available now icon. In addition, you can download Improv is No Joke* audiobook for $14.99 so you can listen on the go. Receive a 10% discount by using the word improv in all caps at checkout. If you'd like a bulk order for your office or gifts for your clients, contact me at peter at petermargaritas.com for volume discounts. With that completed, now let's get to the interview with Tim Sinclair. Tim, I greatly appreciate that you're taking time out of your busy schedule to have a conversation with me today on my podcast.
0: Absolutely, Peter. I'm, I'm really happy to be here and thank you so much for for having
1: me. It it was good to meet you uh, because we, uh, for the audience, we just recently met just about a month ago when I was facilitating a uh, program leader academy at the South Carolina Association of CPAs, and Tim was one of the uh, attendees of this two-and-a-half-day seminar and just literally knocked it out of the park.
0: Yeah, that was a great event. You guys did a great job facilitating, and so I think what what our association SCAPA is doing and developing um, better speakers for our CPE is uh, is really a great thing. But really, really fun um, leader program. I know that that's the first time you would run it, but you guys did a great job.
1: Yeah, it was, a lot of fun. it was a lot of fun. We had a nice, we had a perfect size class, seven of you guys that we could really work with you. And it was, I had a blast. I, I have not stopped talking about you guys since uh, we ended that event. And through this meeting you and know, this discussion, why don't you tell the, uh, my audience a little bit about, about your background? I think they'll pick up why I uh, invited you to be a guest on the podcast.
0: Yeah, sure. Well, I guess the first thing is, although I work in a professional CPA firm, I'm actually not a CPA, which is a big thing. But um, my background, really, when I started out, um, was in marketing. And I'm a marketing and finance major, and then went through and started out doing international market research, where companies who were looking to grow sales internationally I would help identify which countries for them to go into and the strategies to get into those countries. And, and this is before, you know, the internet was really big and you did a lot of online selling and it was more difficult to get your, your products and your brands, you know, international. So then after that, I moved in and actually started working for a a consulting firm that, focused on helping manufacturing companies grow. And so for the first couple of years there, I, I did mainly marketing-related projects. We're doing strategic marketing planning, messaging, did some website work with companies, but, but really just helping them grow the top line. Um, but over that time, um, I started to learn a lot more about operations management, about process improvement within manufacturing companies. And so for the final... Um, really, 13 years I was there. Um, the types of consulting and advisory solutions that, that I would provide to manufacturing companies were, were anything from high-level strategic planning to continue to do some marketing-type work, um, but did a lot more lean manufacturing, constraint management, really helping companies make things better, faster, cheaper. Also was involved in some um, quality management system implementations, and so really got a, a kind of a varied background of experience through that and, and had the luxury of working with you know consulting with over three hundred and fifty manufacturing companies during that time. And so then a couple of years ago, my firm, Webster Rogers, um, was introduced to them, and they really focused one of the the key industries they focus on is manufacturing. And as we began the discussions, Um, They really try and position themselves as that trusted advisor for manufacturing companies. And while there are a lot, they're very good technically, and we have a lot of wonderful resources internally on the tax and assurance side. um, When it came to maybe advising manufacturing companies in the other areas of their business, um, they didn't have the full skill set yet, so I came on board a couple of years ago to add that to help lead our manufacturing team, and uh, now we we tackle the market, go out there and work with our clients and manufacturing on a, a wide array of issues.
1: Wow, that's 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 really cool. That's a, that's a great background and, and and being able to leverage that. Uh, I, I imagine going from the consulting aspect from from where you were for the, that many years into an accounting firm was somewhat of an adjustment.
0: It was, it, you know, um, it's a different kind of a mindset. I mean, in an accounting firm, um, definitely you, you kind of have that. Uh, For lack of a better term, kind of that annuity work where every year you kind of get the the work, especially on the tax side, you know, you hope you develop those relationships. Whereas in the consulting world, you know, it's sometimes it's a, it's a one and done or or you're helping them with some issue, you help them solve it, and then you hope you develop that relationship. I think a, a bigger thing for me and what I really focus on a lot now is helping our team build their business development skills. So that they can go out to market and understand how to position themselves and how to become that trusted advisor with the companies, and not just try and deliver the the technical services. Um, and so that's that's been a real, um, really interesting process and a, and a learning experience for me as we've we've made that transition within our firm.
1: So you're helping. You're you're teaching the associates within your firm business development skills so they can become better at it and grow the business as well as you've got that role as well as outside of it from consulting from a manufacturing perspective, correct?
0: That's right. That's right. So we're we're really trying to empower our people. With those skills and given those skills, so that they feel comfortable going out there and uh, and and developing business, I think that those those skills um, I found in in many cases it seems like in the industry uh, can sometimes be lacking.
1: Yeah, hey, um, let me ask you this question: Would, would you uh, would you agree with this? Because you've been in the firm for a couple of years. Well, let me back up. At, at what level do you start? with the teaching of these business development skills? When they're new to the firm, when they've made manager, when they're um, senior manager, at what, at what phase do they get introduced to these skills?
0: So everyone is exposed to it. We have um, systems and processes in place within the firm that will expose everyone in the organization to certain things. But right now, where we're formally providing through, um, through training and coaching, it really is, is kind of at that manager level right now. Um, however, we do pull in an associates and we get them involved in different programs that, we're, that, we, that we have going on.
1: Because I, I, having spent time in the firm, being a, being a CPA and in the profession for a long period of time, I, I look at firms and they bring individuals in out of school and that first five years, they're getting them technically sound, which, which is important. The, 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 I think the, the piece here that I've always struggled with is when we promote them to manager, And now they have to manage as well as start building a book of business and and getting that mindset. When they get to that level, they haven't received that skill set. They haven't been taught that skill set. So it's kind of a um, some who won't, they're they're promoted technically on the technical knowledge, but now they got to deal with the people aspect of the business. And those skills can be lacking in, 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 in many instances. And either they get it Or they don't. And if they don't, they leave. But I would think that maybe, and I'm glad that you're doing it for some of the associates, that maybe in in year three, that we're now starting to introduce some of these uh, skill sets to them. So when they hit manager, they can have a bigger bounce uh, in the organization.
0: That's right. And it's also about exposing them and getting involved in situations where they can see managers and partners. You know, showcasing those skills. so so we'll try and pull in when we have, for example, we have a, a client experience meetings internally where we're talking about clients and brainstorming what issues we can help solve for them. Well, we involve people at every level of the organization in that. so a and a, uh, an associate level person, um they're going to be exposed and understand how a partner is thinking about a client and how a manager is thinking about a client proactively looking ahead. So, while while we are certainly focusing on the technical skills, and that's what um, a lot of their their time is spent on, at the very least, they're exposed to these things very early in our firm, which, which really helps them develop.
1: That, that's, that's outstanding. And I guess my next question along those lines are partners and senior managers taking these uh, younger staff out on client visits as well?
0: Yes, that's another um, big piece of this. So in addition to the internal meetings, where where it's possible. Now we all know, you know, if has been true. We're like traditional accounting firms. The, the charge hour goal of, a, <laughs> of an associate is a lot higher than, than a manager or a partner. But where it is possible and it makes sense, we absolutely try and involve them in those meetings. Because it just builds, it just, it, it builds the relationship with the client when they see that, that we have an entire team of people working on them, not just the partner.
1: Right. And, and, the, the, the client gets that the, the, because eventually they're going to make it to manager, maybe have responsibility over this client. So now you're introducing them at a younger level um, uh, to help build that relationship, to help build that trust. And they're also getting the, the they're getting an exposure, which is that, you know, on, it's on the job training, but it's, it's it's out in the field it, it, and, and, and the conversations that you can have with, a, with, with those in a car between the office and the client are, priceless at times.
0: Absolutely. I mean, there's so much opportunity there and they can ask questions and open up and it, it, builds trust between the team internally. And also, like you said, between the client, it also, I mean, the associates also get a really a much better understanding of the business that they're doing the work for. And it makes it a lot of times, um, more meaningful to them, the work they're doing, which is, is obviously a very important thing.
1: Yeah. That helps with, um, keeping those associates uh, within the firm versus they become disengaged and um, they, they end up leaving and it costs a lot more to replace than to uh, uh, to spend the extra time and, and give them that, that extra exposure. So, so as you've been working with the CPAs and, and, and your firm and helping with the business development aspect of it, what is the one skill that you would say that uh, it seems to be maybe uh, not as strong Within a group of CPAs, as it might be with with other types of professions in in business development.
0: Well, I I don't know if I can say it's it's le- lacking more in a CPA firm than it is in another um, group, but but I'd say that there are a couple things that stand out to me that we really emphasize. You know, the first is you you need to know what it is that makes you unique and different, and why someone should do business with you. I mean, going out and saying, you know, I do tax work or I'm an auditor, that's not a differentiator. That's not making you unique in the marketplace. And I love the phrase, if you're not unique, you better be cheap. And none of us (laughs) want to compete on price. right? And so you need to figure out what is it exactly that makes you unique in the market? And can you succinctly articulate that um, to a prospect or to your clients? Do they know that? Do they understand you know, if some other firm comes or some other group comes, competitor comes and knocks on their door, you know, what is it about you that makes you unique over them and makes you a better fit for them? So that, that would be the first thing. You really need to understand that. And and the second, which, you know, I love the, the improv piece of this and, and, you know, the active listening, right? <laughs> you have to be, to be successful in improv, you have to kind of be in the moment, Right. You can't, you can't sort of jump ahead and think, well, I know what I'm going to say next because you don't know what the guy across from you is going to say. And so I think a, a critical skill that you try and develop is that active listening and really just being engaged in the conversation and being really curious in understanding what it is that the person across the table is struggling with what their needs are and how can we be of value how can we help them so it's not about us going in and telling them what we do it's not telling them what the answers are necessarily it's really more about asking questions being curious and listening and being part of that conversation
1: wow um now you have to refresh my memory because you're using some improv techniques there that i if i my memory serves me correct is it's, you've done some improv in your past or a family member has am I correct
0: that's right, my yes, yeah, so not me I, I i've I'm not quite as skilled as you, Peter. I don't know <laughs> if I could do it very well, but my my sister, I have two sisters, but my middle sister, Gabrielle, and her husband ben um they've been heavily involved in improv and have done improv and in Chicago and in Los Angeles, and and actually, my my brother in law started the improv group at the uh, University of South Carolina back when he was in school. So, um, so they're very much engaged in improv. And,
1: and you've you had some great exposure to it. And, and um, I, I, as you were as you were talking about improv, I had to think for a moment. Wait a minute, that's right. He's he's had a family member that that is involved in improv because I remember us talking about that. Uh, I want to take a step. Back to the first thing that you were talking about—that—that what makes us different—and if I asked you, Tim, tell me about your firm. How would you respond to that question?
0: Well, I would say that there—you know—it depends on the group we're talking about. But in our manufacturing group, I mean, there, there there—we talk a lot about the technical depth, the local presence, and the global reach, and we also talk about really being proactive with our clients, you know, really listening and helping them as they grow, understanding where they're moving, bringing ideas to them. And those would be the things that I focus on in making us unique. We're not just doing compliance work, but we're really trying to get outside of the box to expand services beyond just the tax and assurance work, um, really to help them as they grow their business.
1: So in this conversation, do do you tell... This potential prospect, whoever is asking the question, uh, some scenarios where you have helped clients where, where there has been an issue, and, and you guys have come in and helped solve that problem for them.
0: Sure, you can you can use um, anecdotal, anecdotally using stories is always a great a great help. You know, we, we'll talk about, for example, we we do um, a lot of work with companies that are maybe international companies that they're moving into our state. For the very first time, they have an operations in North America, and so they're not familiar with U.S. laws and regulations getting up and going. And so we have some manufacturing clients that are like that where we help them, for example, with OSHA compliance. So the environmental health and safety regulations that they have to comply with here in the United States, which they might not have over in their other countries, will go in and help them with those sort of situations. Or we've helped clients as they develop their benefit plans for, uh, for employees anything from their, their health insurance plans to retirement plans, and how do they structure those? Um, also on the human resources compliance side. So so really just sort of expanding those services so that we can help a client deal with, with really anything that they need help with.
1: Yeah, because it, it uh, takes you to where I was going with this was what type of storytelling are you using uh, to help position the firm to be different than everybody else because, uh, and, and I talked about this at, at that academy because we make decisions based on emotions, not on facts and figures and stuff. And I, I, I did a, some work for a group of, of accounting firms and there, um, it was like an alliance. And there was a, it was a day and a half thing. And the first thing I asked them is, tell me about your firm. And there was about eight or nine people in the room. And I got, well, we got 10 partners. We had been in this law and yada, yada, yada. So just give me facts and figures and at the end, I said, um, "Please don't." After the last one went, I said, "Please don't take offense to this." But none of you gave me a compelling argument to bring any business to you guys. All you told me was facts and figures. And, and over the and I said, over the next day and a half, we'll work to figure out what that story is. What how you've helped those clients, the the the, the struggle that they were in, where you were able to come in and, and help solve their problem. That helps in that delivery. Of making that emotional connection with that prospect and, and helping in that that buying decision.
0: Absolutely. And and I will say, you know, that that is one hundred percent. I mean, we used to say, you know, you sell the sizzle, not the steak. You're not selling <laughs> the product or the services. You're selling what it is that makes you unique, the emotion, right? It's the it's 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 the other stuff around that. One other thing, you know, me being a marketing guy, by in, in my in my past, you know, I focused a lot on the message. But as I've been got, getting more involved in the in, in the act of listening and helping people ask those questions, I mean, we really try and stay away from talking a, a, hardly any about us when we're in a meeting. I mean, we're really trying to focus on that client. Um, one other point of differentiation, I would say, that we really try and focus on is the whole experience of the meeting. When we go into a client or we go into a prospect, we want that experience of the client to be a unique and memorable one, not just the same feeling that they get when they're coming out of, a meeting with any, anybody, we want it to be unique where they feel like that was a lot of value or we do something unique in the meeting. Like we bring something in that's a unique way of showcasing something or, or, um, maybe, you know, bringing like an item that's related to their business as a gift for them or something that makes it unique and stand out to them and memorable.
1: Yeah, that, that's great. Uh, anything that we can do to provide that, experience, whether it's in a meeting or a visit or even even over the phone with, with, with our clients and customers goes a long way in, in maintaining that level of trust, uh, maintain that level of confidence that they have, a, as well as building a, a strong relationship. I see that yeah, my background, I, I spent some time in banking and I learned a lot of business development skills during that period of time. And one skill that I see that most people are hesitant. When I have a group of CPAs in the room, I'll ask them, how many of you guys really like to network? And, <laughs> and I, get, yeah. I get a few hands that go, they, <laughs> that, 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 that raise their hands. I said, well, l- let me tell you, you know who, for those who didn't raise your hand, you know who you blame? I I blame your mother. <laughs> and they start laughing. <laughs> and I go, well, what did your mother always tell you? Never talked to Strangers.
0: Strangers.
1: I said, mm-hmm. that, there's, the, there's the deal right there. A, a stranger is somebody, somebody downtown Charleston with a bottle of Mogan David talking to a lamppost. That's, <laughs> that's a stranger. But any business event, any CPE class, anywhere that you're around professionals, those aren't strangers. Those are opportunities. And if they can get their mind around that, it makes networking a whole lot easier.
0: That's right, and, and another piece of it is the mindset. When people are networking, they feel like they're in a sales mode. Like I'm out right. here to sell, and what we always try and say is, no, you're not. You're not out selling. You're out helping. You need to have enough confidence in your service and what you provide, and the skills that we provide. That when you look out, you see a bunch of people who need help, and you're going to be able to really help them, and they're going to see the value in what you deliver. So if you take that mentality, that all I'm trying to do is help these people. I'm not trying to sell anything. It, it it really it switches it switches the game a little bit, I think.
1: Yes, it does. And and from the person who's being approached, there, you know, my, my my brother, he's he goes, I hate networking and he's a VP of, of Express Fashion because every time I go out now, somebody's trying to sell me something. And you know, it gets it gets kinda old. It's just, you know, versus to your point, well, this is how we can help you. And and this is what we do. And it's just, you know, I always look at at networking. It's a conversation between two people. One, just initially getting to know each other and and what they do and and, and maybe a little bit about, you know, are you married? Do you have kids? You know, I have a 17-year-old son. Just a lot of that kind of chit-chat, but just enough to get some information to determine, hmm, is this somebody I really want to follow up with? And put those that the the follow up skills, which is probably the toughest of all together and, and to provide that, hey, you know, we pleasure meeting you. How about we get together for a cup of coffee or I'm actually going to be in, you know, in Charleston. Uh, you want to get together for, you know, for lunch or something like that and, and then just keep developing that conversation over time.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So important. The other thing I would say about networking specifically and what we we spend a time talking about in our firm is around being intentional with your networking. So if you can do some pre-work before going out there and you can identify just two or three or four people that you know that you want to try and connect with while you're there, you may not even see them, but having done the pre-work and knowing you're kind of going in with a game plan, it really does put you a little bit in, in a much more confident position walking in there. And I found a lot of success with our associates and our managers in just having that game plan allows them to go in and have more meaningful conversations. It also, I mean we're we're all dealing with limited time and resources here. So it also doing that pre work basically helps you justify this is a this is an event I need to go to. Because really in Charleston, you could go to an event every single night if you if you wanted to. But really in reality we just don't have time to do it.
1: Right, and you and you want to be strategic in, in in those networking opportunities, and that's that's the perfect approach because you got to do your homework. You got to do your homework. You know, one, what's the event, and, and do I need to be there, and two, who else is going to be there, and that that could be a challenge because getting the attendee list, you may not get that you know in enough time. But I think that if if it's a, you know, if if you're doing something with uh, the ABCs, attorneys, bankers, and CPAs. Well, you pretty much know the firms, and you pretty much know the, the bankers and, and the attorneys around. You can do enough do enough research to at least get an idea of the larger firms, and and and, and go in with that knowledge versus just showing up.
0: That's right, and and there's always times where a, a good connector that you have, as you were talking about, following up with someone that you might have met in another networking event. You know, it's also an opportunity to reach out to maybe those important. Connectors that you already established a relationship earlier in the conversation. You mentioned, you know, just developing a relationship over time. Maybe there is a, a client or, or someone that you've met once that you can you can meet with at that event and and just continue to develop that relationship and build that trust.
1: Yeah, you could even maybe even invite them to attend with you and say, I you now I'm, I'm 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 attending this event. It's 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 in our wheelhouse. Uh, I thought maybe you would like to. Uh, attend with me um, and send the information and, and you know it's all about you know we, we're not in the transaction business. we're in the relationship business. And the more we can build those relationships, the, 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 the stronger they'll, they'll become. And when we do screw up and, and we will screw up, the likelihood that they'll leave us diminishes dramatically if we've got a solid, strong relationship that we've built over time with the, with those clients.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and if you think you know five, ten years out, you know those relationships and those experiences that we've already talked about trying to create those are the things that are going to differentiate you from technology right I mean the technology that's going to be into our industry that's going to basically be able to do a lot of the work potentially that's being done by people right now um, what's keeping someone from from just solely using technology and keeping them with us, it's those experiences, it's those relationships. so we need to start growing those now.
1: so how do you how do you get younger CPA or even it doesn't matter what what age CPAs who don't like to network, how do you get them to, to, to begin to to find it interesting, find it fun get them get them uh, involved in networking?
0: Well I think when people say it's not fun, I think there's a fear. I think it's overcoming the fear and giving them some tools. And, uh, and certainly going with them. So, so we'll traditionally, you know, we do the planning with them. Um, I'll go, we'll have some of our other team members that are more experienced go along with them and, uh, and just give them the opportunities. We also do internally with us when we start talking about developing our, our message and talking about the firm, we do a lot of role play internally through some of our training where we basically are trying to role play some of those scenarios. But as soon as really uh, an associate or someone who's not as comfortable in networking can really make that switch to just asking questions and active listening from simply telling about themselves, that's when it becomes a lot easier for them. And if, if they start doing that more effectively, the networking becomes fun.
1: Yes, and you're right. It's it's about getting past that fear. It's it's you know in improv they say follow the fear or lean into it because you never know what's going to happen. There's always something. I don't know. I, I use the what if method. What if I don't go? What what, what am I going to miss? Well, because there's I I love networking and there's times that I don't want to go. Just, <laughs> and and there, was, there was this one time I really didn't want to go, but I got I got asked to take three speakers, uh, out to dinner uh, they were here in, in Columbus, Ohio. They were going to be, uh, presenting the next day at, at one of our, um, accounting seminars. And I was the chair of the board at the time. And I got asked to take these guys out and I didn't want to go. I don't go. I told my wife, I don't want to go. And, uh, <laughs> and I, so I, I, so I left the house. I said, I, you know what? We're meeting at six 30 across town. I said, I won't be out later than eight 30. I'll probably, be, I'll probably be home by, by, by maybe eight o'clock. So I meet these gentlemen, we have dinner. We got asked to leave because we were the last people in the restaurant at midnight <laughs> And, wow. and, and it wasn't, it had nothing to do with adult beverages. We were just had this wonderful conversation that just sustained itself that the next day I got a call from one of the attendees. And at the time I was doing some IFRS work, he had this webinar that he does and asked me if I wanted to join him with, in this webinar, do him, do him dual based. And we would split the revenue. And if I hadn't, about that? if I hadn't a gone, that would have never happened. So that's, that's that. What if, what am I going to miss? So those, those times that I don't want to go, I'll go, and the guy's name was, was Cecil. I go, remember Cecil and, and I'll go. And you know, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, but you, you just never know.
0: That's right. That's right. That's a great story.
1: Yeah. I, 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 I tell that story all the time because. Man, it really hit home, and and I've met you know I've met some really interesting people over the years at at networking events, and, and the other thing that you know when I'm working with CPAs and stuff, we have these big you know these these conferences that the, that whether it's at the AICP or or SCAPA or, or that that um you've got a gathering of of hundreds of CPAs, and I go, well, don't you look at this as a networking event? And they go, why? I know enough of us. Why do I need to know more? And I'm like, well, the thing you're not seeing all those people behind them. You're not seeing their network and who they know. That's part of it. You want to get to know them so you can have access to that network. And who knows a lot of people CPAs do. And it's always good to i to, to network within our own profession.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. There's so many things that we can learn from each other. And and quite frankly, there's times that we help each other. I mean, more times than not, I think we, we're helping each other versus competing with each other.
1: Exactly. And, and that's part of building that relationship, because if I've got a client and they've got a need that we don't have that skill set within our firm, but I know somebody in another firm that has that skill set and I refer business and it works out, man. My credibility has just increased tenfold by both parties. So, so what are the challenges uh, uh, with, with working with professionals, uh, accounting professionals that you've run into with this in business development? What are some of the other challenges that you that you address?
0: Well, I think um, you know from a systems perspective, we we've certainly done a lot of work trying to track. I think um, track the opportunities, track the business development, see where we are getting that return on investment. Um, I think a lot of companies, not just CPA firms do struggle with that. You know, you invest money in, in, in marketing, you invest money in organizations, you know, what, what's your return on that? So we're, we have a team that's focused on that internally, which has been good. But, um, you know, really more than anything, it's, it's changing that, that backwards looking, you know, technical, you know, compliance mentality to being very proactive, being that trusted advisor. I know it's it's an overused term now, but that's what everyone's striving for. But how do we start having questions about the other people's business or their lives so that we can proactively bring ideas and proactively offer solutions?
1: Hey, exactly. That's, that's hitting the nail uh, right on the head. Yeah, you know, I say his, CPAs are historians, and, and they they laugh at me. I go, well, think about it. We're we're working with yesterday. We're not working with tomorrow in a lot of cases. But the more that we can advise, the more that we can anticipate, becoming an uh, an anticipatory CPA, the, the stronger that our relationship will build over the uh, over the next five ten years. That's right.
0: And one of the the big hurdles to to overcome. Um, that that's really resonated well with several of our managers and different people internally is you need to recognize that, that you don't have to have all of the answers. You know, I think CPAs because of the technical nature of the work and, and, and all of the, the CE um, the, the continuing ed that's done um, they feel like people look to to the CPA for the answers. And so they don't want to ask a question that might fall outside of they're where they they know the answer. Um but really that's where the value is for the client. They're thinking about something that's very very likely outside of the scope of what you know. But you need to uncover that so that you can truly add value to them. And so once you get past that, you know, you don't have to know the answer. You just need to know the right questions to ask and understand what's on their mind. Um, I think that can take a lot of the pressure off of folks to say, you know, you don't have to give them the answer.
1: I think you're probably about the seventh person in the last two weeks have made that exact comment to me that we we don't we think we have to have the answer 100% of the time but the complexity of uh, of the profession as long as we can get the facts we can find the answer that's right but getting the facts is the challenge, because that requires, like that, active listening a- a- as well as the, the the thoughtful questions and and and, and I'm trying to uncover what is the true issue at hand, so you can research and come back with a solution. But a lot of times, I think that we don't gather all that information in order to properly find that solution to the, a client's problem.
0: That's right, and I've got. Two scenarios or two things I'd like to share on that front. One is a part we had some partner meetings last week, and one of our partners um, made this comment, which I thought was great. He said one of his accounting professors in college had told him one time, you know, if a client calls you with a question, and even if you know the answer, you don't give it to him right then. You tell him, I'll get back to you. And that allows you to basically add value. So I, I would argue that even if you're in a meeting and someone is asking you a question, there are times when it, you're, you're building more credibility and, and presenting more value if you don't just give them the answer right away. Um, you are going back and and basically vetting things. The, the second thing I would say, and this is another, um, this happened just two weeks ago, um, there was a, a client meeting that was going on um, that our, our associate, we had we had two managers basically going in and, and meeting with the owners. And they realized that over the last month, they had been getting calls from the client asking very specific questions that they would simply give the answer to and felt like they were doing their job. They would answer the client's question. They'd hang up. That's great. They realized in in one of our conversations that they really weren't thinking about why is the client asking these questions? You know, what is going on in their world that's causing them to ask this? They're thinking, well, I'm doing a good job because I'm giving them the answer, but they're not getting to the root cause of what the problem is. They're not adding the value that we could be adding. And so that whole conversation with the client changed where they were really Digging into, you know, what's the underlying reason you're even asking these questions, and seeing if we could really, really do a lot more for that client.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great example, uh, and, and I've heard others basically say the same thing and it's just you know we, we want to give the answer but we also have to ask the question especially it, like in the scenario that you just posed where clients calling a couple three times or whatever it's like wait a minute why are, what's going on and and picked up the phone and go okay what what <laughs> what the heck's going on at at your, at your company because you're asking these questions so there must be something b- bigger out there but let me ask, ask this question which maybe think about it. They're, they're calling for, they got a question, they're getting their answer, they're getting off the phone. Is part of the reasoning that maybe the client is doing that is, well, if I'm talking to them for a while, I'm going to get hit with that bill for the phone call.
0: That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, that, that same client took a, a very long meeting, about a three-hour meeting with two of our managers uh, following those calls. So I don't think that was it, okay. but it very well could be. To that end, though, I would say that a lot of our client, what we call our client experience meetings, where we're going in and proactively having these conversations, the vast majority of those are, are not billed, and we tell clients that. We don't bill for that time. That's a value add for them.
1: Oh, that's good. That's good, because I, I would think that, you know, that that might be so. well, I, I know talking to some business owners, that's one of the reasons why when they call their CPA, they call their accounting firm that they don't want to spend time on the phone. They'll ask a cool question. Try to get off because of the bill of, you know, I'm getting, I keep, I'm getting nickel and dimed over the phone calls versus call me anytime. Ask me any question. I'd be happy to, you know, I'm not going to, the phone calls are value add to, to you and your organization.
0: You hit the nail on the head. It's the value add piece. If all they're getting is backwards looking and answers to the questions, they're not realizing the value that we can bring to them. But if we're proactive and we're bringing opportunities, or we're bringing solutions, helping them uncover opportunities and realize those, they're going to want more from us. That's where we all want to be. We don't want clients to think, hey, let me get off the phone as quick as I can, or I don't want to take that meeting because I don't want to be billed. We want to create experiences and we want to create that value where they want to see us because they know when they see us, they're getting value.
1: Exactly. Uh, I couldn't have said that any better. I'm going to say it's, a, it's, a, it's not a skill, but it, it's just, it's a mindset that we have to, we have to change. That if if our clients are calling us and hanging up because of afraid of the bill, then, then there's something there. There's maybe we've lost, maybe and we want to be that trusted advisor, but they're not trusting us. So if we're not following back up with them or or going out and visiting them, and reestablishing that relationship, we're, we're not bringing any value to them at that time. Until that relationship can re- get reestablished. And I will call you, I will ask these questions. You, you, your firm is doing, you know, bringing, bringing value to my organization and we're growing and, and, and having that, that level of trust increase. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. You you guys sound like, um, and you, you take an application. I'm too old, but you take an application. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 I, 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 I love this conversation and I love what you guys are doing. And the, 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 training aspect and how, you know, you're, you're building uh, confidence and and, and trust within your organization, within your people, within your clients, man, you guys got it going. well.
0: Well, thank you. We've worked really hard at it. And uh, it's certainly a always continuous improvement. And, uh, but, but I appreciate that. We feel like we're, we're doing the right thing internally.
1: And it's, and it sounds like you are, and I, I wish you and your firm, Great success. It sounds to me that you're you're heading in the right direction. You're you're going forward. We're not looking back. But I I love the aspect of of how you've defined adding value and value add through the conversation that it's just, I I, I guess sometimes I tend to think it's so simple, but it's really kind of hard.
0: Yep. I agree. Well, listen, I I really appreciate your time, Pete, and for, for inviting me on here. I'm happy anytime to help you with this stuff. Well,
1: I greatly appreciate it. And like I said, I will be in the Charleston area uh, in January. And if anything, at least get together for a cocktail or something while I'm down there.
0: That'd be great. Love to.
1: Cool. And Tim, thank you very much. And happy holidays to you and your family and to those within your firm.
0: Thanks. Happy holidays to you and yours also, Pete.
1: I would like to thank Tim for taking time for sharing his knowledge and thoughts on the skills necessary to develop business. The one quote that will stick with me for a long time, and I've put it on my whiteboard in my office that Tim shared, was sell the sizzle, not the steak. Classic. In episode 83, I take a review of 2017. I look back on my favorite quotes that my guests have said during our interview. I will also share with you some of the demographics of this podcast and will tell you about opportunities you and your organization can do through sponsorship of this podcast. I hope everyone has a safe and enjoyable holiday season and always remember to use the principles of improvisation to help you better connect and communicate with those in your organization and in your life.